Welcome to Unshakable with Human Design, the show dedicated to helping entrepreneurs use human design to shift from hustle to flow without sacrificing results. Come here to become an unshakable human and build an unshakable business according to your human design. I'm your host, Nicole Lano. Hello and welcome to Unshakable with Human Design. I'm your host, Nicole Lano, and today, everybody, I am I'm so excited to bring this really remarkable woman to you. I, I met her at a retreat for a mastermind that I'm a part of, and I actually met her at an event prior to that, but I got to know her more at this retreat, and there are just some people that pull you in. There's just some people that you are just kind of like you feel expanded by, and then you want to bring them to everybody else. And you're like, who else can I expose to this magic that this woman has? And um, I, I was just, and everybody at the retreat, everybody that I know that has encountered her has had kind of a very similar experience. So it's not isolated to me. Um, she's not only wise, she's just, she, she has this deep, rich history of, of lived experience. And she brings it all together in the most beautiful and actionable and, and easy to understand way. She is sort of a kindred spirit in that way because, um, we're both, she, we're both five ones. She's a five, one sacral manifesting generator. As you know, I'm emotional, but I'm also a five, one and I'm a manifesting generator. And there's kind of a, a, a magic to the five, one that is explaining things in a way that people can understand universalizing the information and being able to bring it down to earth in a way that hits people in the way that they need to hear it in that moment, if they're the right person for you. Mm -hmm. And she was the right person for me. She is an Enneagram expert. Um, she is the, uh, the host of the very, very uh, popular and amazing podcast, Lead with the Enneagram. Uh, her name is Tracy O'Malley, and I am so thrilled to have you here, Tracy, and I'm thrilled to call you my friend and to have you oh. here. Welcome. Same, same, same. And I feel the same way about you. You know, in the land of human design, there's lots of so-called gurus, experts out there. And there's some that are okay. But nobody really captured me, you know, because I speak Enneagram language most of the time. But like human design is important for me to understand. And, you know, with there's a lot of commonalities between the two and, and the self-awareness piece. But you, as a 5-1 manifesting generator, Enneagram 7, honestly, like, was able, you were able to speak it to me in a way where it was like, yes, okay, tell me more, tell me more. And I don't take that lightly when I, I'm not impressed by many people. Um, so when I met you, I was equally as intrigued and drawn in. So thank you for having me and thank you for trusting me with the people that trust you. It's, I don't take that lightly now at all. I, and, and, and the same, I, I did an episode on Tracy's podcast recently as well, which I encourage you to go back and listen to, because we talked all yes, about human listen. design and how it lays over with the Enneagram. So I, I want this to be a really lovely, um, companion to that episode. And, and you did the same thing for me. So just a, a little, a, a little history into my history with the Enneagram, um, Enneagram, I had been typed or I, I, I shouldn't say I had been typed. I have to differentiate between the two. I ran a test online twice and I was given, I was typed as a four and I was typed as a three and neither of those really, the three kind of resonated the four. I was like, that doesn't necessarily feel like me. And it also felt really subjective. I was like, how accurate could this be if it changes every time? Mm -hmm. And then, exactly. and then you typed me, which is 
very different. And when I got that, I was a seven and I was like, I was not expecting that. (laughs) And, and it not only resonated, but the way that you brought, like, it wasn't just about, this is who you are. It was, this is where you come from. This is where like the motivation comes from. So can you tell everybody a little bit about your Mm -hmm. like history with the Enneagram and why the way that you do it is different? Well, I came into it kicking and screaming 11 years ago um, by my therapist. She, I was not at the greatest point in my life, quite honestly. Um, and <coughs> excuse me, she wanted me to take this assessment. And with very colorful words, I told her I did not want to. And she is tough. She's from Texas. Um, she's an Enneagram 8 like I am. And she was like, quite honestly, honey, your best thinking has gotten you here. And this actually might help you get out of the box that not only you have put yourself in, but the world has also put you in. So how about you open up your mind a little bit? And I appreciated her candor. I appreciated with my colorful language and energy, that intensity that I bring to the table, which is usually to put people back on their toes. I appreciated that she would go toe to toe with me and the respect was there. So I was like, all right. Um, just like you, when I first took an assessment, it was inaccurate, which most of them, all of the online assessments, even the paid ones, are inaccurate 65 to 70% of the time, just FYI. And if you're going to use this tool, having the right information is important. Um, I also was mistyped originally as a three, which behaviorally, I can see that in both of us. The competitive achiever, you know, but as a manifesting generator as well, we only will crush things that we're super passionate about. And that's not a three motive. Threes crush things because the three is more like a generator, quite mm-hmm. honestly. And so we, we quickly understood that I'm not motivated remotely like a three. Behaviorally, I can look like a three depending on the circumstance and the situation. But the motive behind everything I do has nothing to do with what a three is. And same for you. I could tell you right away. Like, there's no way you're a three. And so we recognize that actually how I'm motivated and, and the things that I fear at the core of who I am is very much like an eight. And what that did was unlock why I do push people back, why I am so private, why I am very cautious, um, domineering sometimes, aggressive, intense. Um, And it gave me language in a way that didn't pull out the shame stick on me. It Mm -hmm. made me understand myself at a deeper level. And at the time, I was also, you know, branching into um, and taking the journey of recovery and sobriety from not just alcohol, but eating dysfunctions and disordered crap and codependency. I mean, I was also kind of journeying then, and I'm still maintaining that. And, and I think understanding myself made that process, which is really hard, a lot easier. You know, removing stub- substances and people and places and things is only the symptom of the problem. Like getting to the root of <clears throat> why you do what you do is the key to having long-term kind of sobriety and recovery. And the Enneagram really allowed me to get to the heart of things really, really quickly without the emotional charge to it. And so, you know, when I was sitting there learning about myself, I had this aha moment Um, sitting in rehab with my therapist that, oh, I only speak this one language and I am raising two children who were 14 and 15 at the time who don't have the same makeup. 
And I quickly started to dive deeper into the other eight types. There's nine types on the Enneagram. And I realized that the two that I'm raising are not only different from me, but they're different from each other. And so I started to learn their language while I was, you know, kind of journeying on myself to kind of understand how they are motivated and how they fear. And when I came home, I started integrating that information. I didn't tell them what they were. I never mentioned the word Enneagram. But I know my children well, and I know what is at the heart of both of them. But I didn't have framework before, Mm. right? And this gave me framework that when I started integrating my understanding and the intent from all the beautiful, loving places, that it shifted our household overnight, overnight. And I was like locked in. And then, you know, obviously I started bringing it (coughs) into business and leadership and all sorts of other things. But that's kind of where the roots started. And, and that's, so talk to me a little bit about motivation versus behavior. Right. So I think with most of us, um, we have behaviors that are usually the coping mechanism. Um, you know, in the land of Enneagram, there's three, three main motives. And depending on what your Enneagram type is, you'll fall into one of these three. Now, <clears throat> we are... <laughs> excuse me, I'm fighting bronchitis. Um, we do use all three of these things. Like they're all important, but wherever we default to, once we kind of bypass our intuition and our nervous system, um, we fall into our core Enneagram type, which is our personality, our expression and the core motive there. Um, but a lot of times if you're motivated by something, this is like who we are designed to be. But then we've had experiences and situations and family dynamics and um, traumas, quite honestly, that we've learned a dysfunctional way to gain that motive. Like, let's say you are a two, three, or four on the Enneagram. You're motivated by a need for significance. We all have that need, but for the two, three, and four, that's like their first go-to all the time. How that looks for all three, really, really different. And you can imagine if you are motivated by a need for significance and you've had some hard experiences that you get um, reassurance that you're significant if you do this or if you say this or if you embody this, that's not always the healthiest expression of needing significance. And same thing with the five, six, and sevens need for certainty, right? Sometimes they're paralyzed by that need for certainty, not always the healthiest kind of thing. And so behaviorally, they can act out in ways to gain certainty. That's not the healthiest kind of way to do that. And then for the eights, nines, and ones that are motivated by independence and autonomy, obviously as an eight, I'm always motivated by independence and autonomy and control. Now, how I go about that behaviorally sometimes can be a shit show. Totally, right? Especially if I feel like that's being betrayed or compromised. And because of the experience I had growing up, you know, behaviorally, you know, I could look like a peacemaker by, you know, keeping harmony. So, like, behaviorally, I can look like that. Same thing with why we both behaviorally tested as threes. Because depending on the time that we were taking this test in our life, maybe we were going after something. And so Mm -hmm. behaviorally, we look very three-like, but at the root of who you are, you want options. You want everything available to you. That's not necessarily significance-driven. That's certainty-driven. So this is kind of like why those online assessments, they don't take... Artificial intelligence is great. 
It is. I love it. But it can't take everything into consideration all the time. And so this is, this is kind of why the behavior versus motive is really important to understand. And it's funny, I get a lot of people, especially high achieving women that miss type as threes, and they're really excited about it. <clears throat> they're like, yeah, I'm a three. I'm like, no, you're so not. But okay, let's dive a little deeper. <laughs> and then when they find out like they're a two or something, they're like, oh my God. I'm like, I know, like, I get it. I get it. When I found out I was an eight, I was like, great. I'm an asshole. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> when I found out I was a three or when I, when I got the result back that I was a three, the feeling was, I actually didn't like it where I, it, it, mm. it didn't feel true to me. And it was definitely, it was at the beginning of like me jumping into entrepreneurship. So I was absolutely chasing something. I was, I was in achievement mode but when I read it, I was like, that doesn't feel like who I am. And that was the difference. And that was, I think, the thing, the disconnect for me where I was like, I don't want to go deeper into this because there's something that, that is resonating incorrect with, incorrectly with me where I'm like, I don't, mm, this doesn't feel right. right. And then the seven, that motivation of certainty, I can see that on mm -hmm. a spectrum in my life <laughs> and how it is a consistent theme for me. But also just that, that need for freedom. And yeah. that's that, the biggest like, fear for a seven is being boxed in. Um, options are taken away. Freedom <coughs> is restricted. Like threes, they don't care so much about that. But sevens, absolutely, that's the core of every big fear that a seven has. I want it all. Mm. I want it all. That's why you're an enthusiastic visionary. You are. <laughs> and you can have it all. You absolutely can. How you go about it is very interesting. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I, I want to go a little bit because I didn't know that these things really existed because I had I had a superficial relationship with the Enneagram for the reasons I just explained. But when you <clears> typed <throat> us, so at the Mastermind, um, the one of the things, one of the many things that we've gotten with with that membership is we were typed by you, and then we had this session with you at our at our retreat where you went through the whole thing. And you told us about our tri-type and then you explained the wings. And that to me grounded into nuance and made it much more multidimensional than just like you're a seven and this is the seven thing you're going to do. Right. That I was like, okay, now I'm starting to see this. And I saw it lay over a lot with some of my, with my a lot of my human design yeah. chart. Um, and then, and then, you know, and then the wings and how, that really resonated with me because the wings, when you explained that, and I knew what the wings were, and we'll get, I want you to explain a little bit about that, mm -hmm. but just how it, how it affected me, the areas I have seen the most growth and where I have seen myself really, really grow and expand as a person were when I, not knowingly mm -hmm. leaning into mm -hmm. my wings, but when I did, when I was embodying the energy of those and working on myself in that way or, or nurturing myself in those ways mm -hmm. is when I've seen the greatest expansion. And, mm -hmm. and what I do like about, about this um, outside of human design is obviously my tool of choice, but um, what, I, what I think Enneagram really has to offer is there is a simplicity to it. There's obviously, there's a lot, a lot of depth, mm -hmm. but you know, just like type strategy and authority, when you get some of these things down, you can have really tremendous results with just using a few pieces of the system. Totally. And, and it can be like, like you said, life changing. Um, so can you tell everybody a little bit about, um, can you talk about the wings and how they work? 
Yeah. And before we do that, I kind of want to like explain for those of you that are familiar or not familiar with the Enneagram, like kind of how the framework works real quick. (coughs) And you won't hear it explained like this anywhere else. And this is where I'm very, very different because I'm like, just bottom line me, tell me how this benefits me and what this actually means. Um, And so I just want to give you kind of this quick visionary or visual of what this looks like. So in a beautiful, perfect world, we are operating in our intuition and honoring the nervous system, our body, the ultimate compass, right? And I do believe those are divine gifts from a source, right? Whatever you call that, it's totally up to you. But, you know, that intuition and our nervous system, most of us, I would say, most people that I've encountered in my 51 years of life bypass both of those pretty quickly, right? Because it it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. It's like, holy crap, what does that mean? And if you're like me who and, and Nicole, who are just like, go after it, go-getters, our body keeps the score and our body never lies. But so often we're like, yeah, I know better. See ya, take a back seat, like hold my beer. Like I'm gonna go do my thing. And that's where the Enneagram kind of comes into play. It's we default into our core type, which is where we're motivated and where our fears reside. And then that is in a center of intelligence. And like I said, we use all three of these centers of intelligence, and that's where the tri-type came in. But wherever your core type defaults to is the center of intelligence you go to first by default, right? And the the key to using the Enneagram and the things I'm going to tell you about the wings and the other framework allows you to get back to your intuition and your nervous system and regulating that right? Your personality will always be the special sauce on all of this. Always. It's always going to be there. It's always magical and it's always beautiful. Um, We have to kind of change the come from. We don't have to change who we are, but the, the come from is really important. But when we default into our personality, even the highest level of your personality, having the right tool for the job is really important. And sometimes the core of who we are isn't the right tool for the job. And we need these supporting tools or like how I explained it. Um, you know, sometimes our favorite movies aren't based on the lead character, right? Usually my favorite movies have a killer supporting cast, Mm -hmm. like always. And even at the Oscars, I don't care so much about like the actor of the year. I love the supporting roles because they're what make a movie great. And that's the wings of the Enneagram are like the supporting cast. They aren't front and center all the time, but they add some special tools to the toolbox that when you know how and when to use them, they can be a difference maker. And, you know, for most of us, we've even used these wings in a not so healthy way. That's where some of the behaviors come into play, right? We're like, especially when we're younger and, you know, hell's breaking loose and we don't know what we're doing. We're, we're pulling any tool out. We're trying to take a hammer to something when we need a chainsaw and things like that. And so the wings of the Enneagram, whatever your core type is, your wings are only the numbers on either side of you. So let's say you are a seven like Nicole. You have a six on one side and an eight on the other. Those are the only two wings you have. Now, a lot of you that might be familiar with the Enneagram, you've heard like, well, I'm a seven wing six or I'm a three wing four. I want you to think about it for a moment. If you're an airplane or a bird, if you only have one wing, you're either going to fly in circles or you're going to crash. Same thing with the wings of the Enneagram. You, you have two. Use them both. Usually, 
you might default to one a little bit easier than the other. One might be an easier access for you. Like Nicole probably leans heavier to her eight typically. Um, but as she evolves and grows and, and understands where she needs to use her six, she can use that more effectively. It's just like building a muscle, right? You have to know how and when to use it. And you have to add resistance and practice and all the things in order to get really skilled at that. But the wings are the secret sauce in all of this. Because by default, you and I will operate in the core motive and the core fears. And although that proves to work out well for us and we have receipts for it, to be like the goat, you know, the heavyweight champion of our world, we need the supporting cast. We do. And those wings are that. And for each Enneagram type, they're different. So like, even though Nicole and I were each other's wings, which is kind of cool. I love a lot of my close friends are sevens. So they're a beautiful, healthy example of one of my wings. And I see, um, examples of how they operate and where that can work for me. And just because I know what they do, I have to practice doing that. So it's why I spend a lot of time with sevens because that's, that was an, a harder wing for me to access in a healthy way. Back when I was, you know, escaping life through alcohol and food and codependency, I could use my seven wing in a not so healthy way. But mm. that's kind of the basic explanation of what the wings are and why they're so important. Yeah, because that was, it, and it, it's it's a nice way to say like even because I look at I look at human design. We have like your your um, your signature theme, and we have your not self theme, which sort of tell you like, hey, this is the red flag that you're out of alignment. Here's the sign that says keep doing what you're doing, girl. Things you're doing mm-hmm. it right. Um, we mm-hmm. have these like little signals that are there to let us know when we're at like bumper bowl. You know, are we in the middle of the lane or are we bumping up to the sides and, and about to go in the gutter? Um, and, and what the wings I, I think are is when things aren't going right, or if I want to expand, I can kind of look to the wings to be like, what do I feel is necessary here right now? What, what are the aspects of this? Like it, it it's a nice place to go to, to ask good Absolutely. questions of yourself. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, the, the wings bring <laughs> different gifts and skills to the table, you know, cause if I'm left to my own default all the time, I'm going to be aggressive and um, domineering and not think um, about the consequences of that or think about feelings. And so before, like the wings are a really good pause button for you before you kind of come in hot and or for mm-hmm. some of you before you withdraw or, you know, just accommodate, right? So before I operate in my eightness, I'm like, okay, supporting roles, like, What's the best case scenario of what I need to do here in a way that, you know, especially when we're dealing with humans, whether we're as a parent, a partner, a friend, a leader, a coach, whatever, um, we have to be able to communicate in a way of what's in it for them. Otherwise, no matter how right we are, it's not going to land and it won't matter. And, you know, 11 years ago, instead of just having to be right all the time, I wanted to be more effective as a mom, as a friend, as a leader, whatever. And so that pause button and the, the supporting help of the wings really helped me. Okay, <clears throat> I know how the eight in me wants to say this and articulate this. I know that won't be received very well. So like, <clears throat> let's a vision cast with my seven wing. Like, like, how would a seven express this? More fun and light and positive, right? Where my eight in me can be very tactical and uh, pessimistic if I'm not careful. 
And then obviously having a nine wing is like the adaptive peacemaker, which is like Yoda um, or a divine spirit. And they're kind of (laughs) speaking in a way that's the greatest good for everyone. The eight in me won't naturally default to that. So really knowing how to use that seven and nine to help me craft my communication in a way that is not only more effective, but really feels good for the person on the receiving end. Game freaking changer for sure. And I don't waste as much energy. Like seriously, like when we're operating in our default all the time, it's like a constant revving engine where sometimes we got to take our foot off the gas a little bit and like, like work smarter, not necessarily harder. Well, and that kind of, that's a nice little segue into, because I I see how that, like you work with leaders, you work with high achievers. What is it that obviously what they can benefit from, but also like, what do you notice working with people who are high performers who have big goals? Um, you know, and, and what is it that you work with them and and how can the Enneagram help them to achieve more, to, to achieve more balance and to ultimately, you know, get what we want, but, but in a way that feels the benefit of me being in my fifties at this point is I have a lot of life experience and I trust me, if I could have found a workaround, I would have found it. Trust me. I am again, motivated by independence, autonomy and control and people trying to tell me how and what to do. I pretty much have learned everything the hard way. And so when I'm working with high achievers, no matter your Enneagram type or human design, there's a, there's a dark side to every one of us or uh, a not so healthy come from, right? Like what I say about the Enneagram is each type has their very unique, beautiful superpowers. My unique superpower is my intensity, my ability to see holes in things. It's only my superpower when I'm coming from a place of love, compassion, empathy, service, and grace honestly. That same intensity and poking holes in things absolutely has been a wrecking ball in my life and in my relationships and in a lot of ways. Same kind of uh, gift or, or kryptonite here, but when it's a wrecking ball in my life, it's coming from fear, insecurity, unworthiness, shame, guilt, ego, right? And so the cool part is, is we don't have to change who we are. That was so refreshing to me. It's like, cool, I'm intense. That's not changing. I know this, but the come from, I absolutely have a responsibility in working on constantly. And so when I'm working with leaders, specifically, even those that have all the receipts to show that this has worked okay for them, right? Then why are you talking to me? Because there's something usually in our life, if we are crushing it in one area, I guarantee 90% of you have something else that's falling through the cracks because we haven't found that harmony and flow into being the same person all across the board, knowing when to take our foot off the gas. And so a lot of times when I see somebody, let's say they're crushing it in business, I'm like, okay, let's talk about the marriage. And they're like, oh, like, let's talk about the children. Let's talk about your, your hormone levels and your cortisol and your adrenals. Or let's talk about, you know, your friendships and your support group. Or let's talk about this little drinking thing you got going on, right? So for most of us, if we're crushing it somewhere, mm-hmm. usually there's a, a shame closet or a shame cave we're in because we know that we can't sustain that without dropping the ball over here. And so the gift of the Enneagram (coughs) 
has given me in my life, like I pretty much have all my buckets doing well at all times. Now there are moments obviously cause we're humans and, and I have my own shit where I will like take my foot off the gas somewhere else. And then, you know, all the things, but the gift of the Enneagram is really finding harmony, fulfillment, compassion, and knowing like, Hey, just because I might not have this amount of success and you, you insert what your measuring stick is, but I feel fulfilled here. I feel harmony here. I feel great here. My health is thriving. My kids are doing great. My relationships are solid. The bank account is doing well. And I'm not, and you're not looking for all these other outside variables to dictate what success is to you. It's this internal job because when you understand your framework and know how to effectively use it holistically, the rest falls into place. It really does. It really, really does. And even though, you know, especially if you're driven by significance, the outside world may not give you what you want, you realize that you don't need the outside world to tell you how significant you are. Or for my certainty people, even though you're seeking all this evidence on the outside that you have certainty, when you integrate this framework, remember how I said you go back into your own intuition and your own nervous system, and that is true success. When you are operating in that, the rest falls into place. But you're going to have to reframe and recalibrate what your measuring stick you've been using for a long, long time. For 40 years, I used measuring sticks that were outdated and dysfunctional. And I, like, I'm still motivated by being strong. Like, I will always, like, that will always be where I want to flex. But I now have a very healthy measuring stick of what strong is. Where before it was like, oh, I got to be strong and powerful and domineering. And now strong is my vulnerability and my ability to say, you know what, I'm going to tap out of this one. Like that's strength today. So that's how we use this in like leaders, like, like high level leaders. Like, you know, you know that you're dropping the ball somewhere and you might be hiding and you might be overcompensating socially. Um, but if you know there's something kind of brewing, I'm going to tell you right now, don't wait until all the wheels fly off the axle. Like start building this muscle now. I don't recommend blowing up your life like I did in order to learn this, but um, sometimes you got to learn the hard way. We do. We, do. we all have our path, <clears throat> you know, and, and what you're, what you're describing, like you're, you're eight. I feel like it's, it makes sense that I have a wing eight too, which is like, I yeah. hear very much yeah. the five one in there. And it's whether you're like hard in on it or, and, and that was a big part for me was when you talk about mm -hmm. like stepping into your wings and using this to kind of expand and, and the ways that you can, um, where, when you're, when uh, the way that I'm hearing this is like, when you're a balanced human, then your life starts to become balanced. And when you're mm -hmm. like, I, there's a theme that I have, um, I have it tattooed yeah. on my wrist is trust. And when we have this trust in ourselves, that intuition that you're talking about, that, that, that makes us unshakable. That's what makes us unshakable is the fact that I trust that I'm being led. I trust that I can find my way out of anything mm -hmm. that I, any mess that I get into, because I know I have the tools to readjust and, and evaluate myself in a way that's with yes. curiosity, not criticism. And 
and in a way where, where I'm not going into the shame cave and then making anything that happens, making me a bad person to say like, Oh, this is just an artifact of the way that I operate of the framework that I'm in. And like the five, one yeah. super shadowy has lots of shadows, has lots of weird elements to it. Great power. And, and for me learning to love that part of me, mm-hmm. to love the eight, to love the five, one, to love those characteristics and to see how they had so much to offer the yeah. people who came into my life, that it wasn't this hindrance and, and, um, right. it didn't make me, didn't yeah. make me an asshole, like you were saying, and, and learning to love that. And then, you know, and for me leaning into my six and understanding what that means and how that can soften things and, 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 and offer something else hugely impactful the same way that looking at my human design chart, I can look at, you know, my emotional authority as not being right. something I want to run away from or something that I want to pretend like it's not there. Can I embrace it? Can I, can I learn from this? And that's the beauty of these tools is that they illuminate aspects of ourselves. So we, we could look at them objectively and not with, not with criticism or not hearing our mother's voice or feeling the trauma from the past and look at them from a place of just of love and acceptance and say like, Oh, it's just a way that's, that's just, a, and it's just you mechanics. Know, when I was, I was 40 years old when I really, I've been in personal development and diving deep since I was 28, but you know, for the last 12 years, 11 years, like I've been fully committed to this and, you know, there's a lot of talk about inner child work and things like that. And it's not a box you check, but a lot of times the, the shadowy parts of who we are, are rooted in the stuff that, you know, we were taught, told and modeled or said, you know, whatever, you know, and those little kids in us build the belief and the coping mechanisms around that. And understanding my Enneagram and anytime I wanted to judge myself or pull out the shame stick or get aggressive and angry (coughs) and push people away, I was able to recognize that four-year-old in me, right? And that's kind of my first memory of me bypassing my intuition and my nervous system. I I remember it very, very clearly as a four-year-old, understanding that this doesn't fall into alignment with what's happening in my house right now. And so bypassing that and using the shadowy parts of who I am as a five, one manifesting generator and as an Enneagram eight, um, it was rooted in that scared little four year old. And so a lot of times when, when I want to go to the shame stick or the, the anger or the judgment of myself, you know, I, I have a picture of myself as a four-year-old. It was the lock screen on my phone for like three years as a reminder. But even as I'm sitting here at my desk, I'm looking at this beautiful picture of my, my four-year-old self. And anytime I want to judge her or judge myself, I know I'm judging her and not on my watch. Am I going to do that? And so these tools can really also help you do some deep inner child healing stuff so that not only you can heal, but especially if you're a parent or you have an impact that you make in a child's life, it is really important that they see you break cycles that have been passed on. And these tools absolutely have made me a cycle breaker. It has made me a black sheep in the family as well. Um, But, you know, I often say the black sheep usually becomes the goat. So I'm all about it. But it can really help you with some of this deeper healing work as well. 
And just a, just a question. Do you know what your parents were? I don't know if they're still with us, but were, were or are, do you yeah. know what your parents? My dad Enneagram was an Enneagram was? eight as well. A very, very dysfunctional one. Um, he was an alcoholic, a very high functioning alcoholic, mm-hmm. also super sensitive. Like, you know, I see the parts in the eight of him that I were, were so endearing and, and juicy and sensitive, but most of the time it was expressed in this aggressive, um, <coughs> don't fuck with me kind of energy, which I liked cause I'm an eight. So I was like, okay, but that's how I learned. That's where I, where I learned a lot of those behaviors. My mom, um, my dad passed away 10 years ago or 11 years ago. My mom is still alive, but I don't have a relationship with her today. She's a five on the Enneagram, which happens to be one of my favorites. Actually, they're the quiet specialist, but also <laughs> like their, their gift is that they're emotionally non-attached and their kryptonite is also that they're emotionally non-attached. So I've had emotionally a very um, emotionally abandoning and neglectful mom. Um, my whole life, my whole life. And especially mm-hmm. because my energy is so intense when a five is around that intensity, they actually withdraw even more. And so it created that dynamic. So her heart's beautiful. I understand it's not personal, even though it felt and feels personal. Um, I understand her for who she is. And I recognize mm-hmm. without some work, she's not going to be able to, um, participate with me, but I love the things about the five that she brought to the table. She was always curious. She always was a reader. She was always somebody that like my love of reading and research, um, definitely came from her, um, in those modeling, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, I can see where and how it's really dysfunctional <laughs> though. And why her and my dad actually worked because he was so intense. She could just withdraw and it worked and she didn't challenge him. And he liked that. He could call the shots yeah, and, and all the things, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, energy dynamics are, are very interesting to me and it helped me. The reason I asked was it helped me when I learned what my parents were, their profiles and types, like ne- learning my mom was yeah. a projector. I was like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. And then my dad, that he was a five, mm. two, not a five, one, mm. but a five, two, which, um, why he withdrew so much as a two line to close off and be right. like, nobody look at me. I, I want to do my own thing and be left alone. And then the five, how he and I had this pretty tumultuous relationship yeah. throughout my whole life. Um, he passed away two years ago. Um, and how we yeah. projected on each other, and through that back and forth. And, but ultimately I think what's interesting is, you know, I, I notice the fives have t- a lot of times have yeah. kind of difficult lives. A lot of times, particularly the five in the front, um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned, um, mm-hmm. because we are here for the other, we are here for other people to see what they need to see off of us. Mm-hmm. That's not always comfortable for us. Um, but when we can be there and hold that projection for them, then we can hold, we can hold the key yeah. to great transformation for them. So I always think it's interesting when people mm-hmm. like you and people like me who are drawn to this work where, you know, we don't know, we don't necessarily even know how, or that we will help people that just, we're on this path of like fortifying ourselves with tools that we ultimately yeah. can't help but share <laughs> and we have to, and we don't know why we don't even know how necessarily we will help in the beginning. We're just like, I know that I have to be in front of people and show them this and then. Yeah. Come with great reward may. comes great responsibility <laughs> and, and a great and, risk too, you know? 
It absolutely does. And well, I mean, yeah. particularly with, with the five, we're going to, not everybody is going to like what they see when they get the, yeah. when they get the reflection back. They're not always going to be happy with what we have to show them, but it's for us to, to hold. Um, so I, I love this. I love this conversation. I love what you bring and how you bring it. I hope that everybody here, um, this was such yeah. a, a, a small taste of what Tracy offers and what the Enneagram can offer. And I wanted to show you just how these, they don't have to, you don't have to be married to one system or program, allow them all to just open up and activate the different parts mm -hmm. of you. What speaks to you? Mm -hmm. If one is more than the other, go with that and trust that you're being led someplace. But there are so many tools out there that, that hold the power for you to understand yourself and trust yourself on such a deep level. And that is the key to becoming unshakable. And to ultimately, if you're looking to achieve, if you're looking to grow, if you're looking to expand, mm -hmm. you have to trust and yourself you have to, like, first. It like, won't come you before you have you're a doing leadership that. role in your family, <laughs> out in the world. Um, you have to be able to lead yourself effectively first. And I use all the tools. I use the Enneagram. Yeah. I use astrology. I use human design to reinforce that, that intuition and that knowing. Like, because I've been doing this as long as I have now, like when, when I talked to you about human design, I was like, oh, check, check, check. That makes all total sense. And it's like even more reinforcement that even when it doesn't feel good, like that five, one of us, like that doesn't always feel good. It really, really doesn't. Mm -hmm. it, it sucks sometimes. But I also know like the reward of that. And even though I will take the hard parts with, that come with this really beautiful responsibility as a five, one Enneagram eight, like eights also are like very five, one energy as well. So it's like a double whammy in a good way, but also in, in the hard way as well. Mm -hmm. But I'm here for it. And it's funny that you said that about um, like that five knowing that I'm here to be in front of somebody and to like I'm here for people. As a nine-year-old, I like I said, at four, mm -hmm. I remember the first time I bypassed my intuition and self-abandoned. At nine years old, I saw and heard and felt very clearly like this is all going to matter for something. You just hang on. Keep your chin up and hang on because this is all going to matter for something. I don't know what, but it, it will. And here we are, you know, 40 years later. It's beautiful. <clears throat> I had the exact same yep. feeling as a child. I was like, this is serving me somehow. I just don't know. Me that too. is what kept me going. That is what kept mm -hmm. me through every hard time. It was just like, I know this yep. serves some purpose that, yep. that I can't see in this moment. Yeah. So Thank you for sharing that. That 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 hit me hard. You said it. I got like a little yeah, choked up there. I was like, it's me a too. crazy story I shared <laughs> before. I was nine. <laughs> and it was like on a Sunday morning after, you know, the the weekends were really rough in my household because the drinking escalated and the fighting and and so Sundays were my quiet time. I'd get out on my bike and you know, it was a rainy, rainy, rainy morning, but I felt called to get on my bike and I just went to different churches, any denomination. And I walked into one church and I was like a drowned rat, nine years old. And I walked in and, and I, my big green eyes are looking up at this person. I'm like, I don't know why I'm here, but I know that I was called to be here because I was seeking like, what, what, what is happening in my house and how, mm -hmm. like, why is this happening? And it was in that moment that it was like, this is all going to matter for something just trust and lean in. And so like that, I was like, okay, here I am. I'm going to just honor this intuition. You know, there was, 
there was the hanging on, but sometimes I hung on with a bottle of whiskey and sometimes I hung on through dysfunctional codependent relationships, but I still hung on and here we are. It all mattered for something. As we do. And you're able to help people going through those struggles now because of them. So thank you so much. Can you tell everybody where they can, because they're going to want to stay in touch with you. They're going to want to get more from you. Can you you tell them where they can do that? The Enneagram at all. I have a really great podcast lead with the Enneagram. There's over 300 episodes. You can binge yourself away. Um, And some of it's very type specific. Some of it's, you know, all, all, all areas of life. Like I say, I take a holistic approach because we are holistic beings. <coughs> if you're on Instagram, Tracy underscore O'Malley is the best place for that. And um, if you want to get typed properly, you have two options. <clears throat> you can do my assessment, which has over 95% accuracy. I've tested it thousands of times. It is true. Um, and then you get your own customized blueprint, which is like your sole blueprint, basically, and the user manual and your framework, like all the wings and the things we talked about today, plus more um, in your own customized blueprint. Um, it's very. I have a human design, like my blueprint printed out human design. I have my Enneagram one printed out. It's like a reference tool, right? Like it, like you said, Nicole, it's not like this is who I am, like a label. It's like, how do I use this framework for me? But if you want the actual guide to show you how to use the handbook, you can spend 90 minutes with me. It's like 10 years of therapy wrapped up into one very high <laughs> accelerating your transformation. Like it's one thing to read the, the manual, but it's another thing to have the person who wrote the manual explain it in your life in your terms, um, in your case, whatever that looks like, business, professional, personal. Um, so 90 <laughs> minutes with me seriously will blow your freaking mind um, if that's what you're feeling called to do. I'll straight shoot you with so much love and uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> I cannot recommend it enough. Um, get, get in this woman's orbit. You will, you will not be sorry. Mm, Tracy, thank pleasure. you for thank being you for here. I'm so grateful to know you and to have you here and to have you in my life. So thank you for that. And thank you, listener, who made it all the way to the end of this conversation with us. We appreciate you. Um, please let us know if you loved this episode. Tag Tracy and myself on Instagram and share a little, a little something about the episode and the stories. We would love to hear from you. And guys, remember, you are on the journey of becoming unshakable, and we are here to support you. I will see you in the next episode. If you love this episode and you're a fan of the show, please show us the love on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the show and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with other entrepreneurs on their human design journey, join our free Facebook community, Human Design for Entrepreneurs. Go to nicolelano.me forward slash podcast links to join the group, book a human design reading with me, or access our free human design resources. We'll see you there.